Hello, hello. You found us again on Boomerangs. This is Ruth. And this is Mike. Today, we're just going to launch into all the topics that we have without listing them up front because we have so many. So just before when we were talking, I said I was vacillating between a sense of optimism and dread. About and the upcoming said, inauguration. About the, about the inauguration and, you know, all of it, but pinning it on the inauguration because that seems to be the biggest potential flashpoint. And you said that you were... I can't tell if I am in total denial or if I'm in a state of confidence in the abilities of the National Guard and all of those people to make sure it goes peacefully. For some reason, I'm not losing sleep over it. I'm really glad. I just read something on the Daily Mail that freaked me out a little bit. And that was, oh, I, I composed a text to you that I didn't send. Oh. So, well, there you have that. <laughs> it's on its way now. Oh, good. It says... Breaking news, defense officials fear possible inside attack oh. at Biden's inauguration. You read about that. I saw yeah. that. Yeah. So I just like to be in denial about that because I believe that denial is a very underrated coping mechanism and very much needed for times like this. Well, I think there was already a Harrison Ford movie that covered that. And so I don't think I'm Air Force worry. One? I forget one of those movies about the valiant white male hero who uncovers the inside plot to destroy America. When I read that article, I just thought, well, I'll be honest, when I read that headline, I just thought, <laughs> I have ADD, okay? okay? Um, <laughs> I think we are all familiar with your ADD. <laughs> anyway, I just thought how cinematic it was, like an inside job, like a National Guardsman who's going to be undercover and working for the Proud Boys or something. Yeah, but it, could ha it could happen. It could I'm, happen. I'm not saying it couldn't. And the I just FBI think I'm not prepared to even think about it. I know. It's just too terrible. It's... My mind won't even wrap around it. I had incredible anxiety before Obama was inaugurated. Mm. I, mean, I was really worried, and especially when there were like a million people on that mall. I was just terrified. I really believed that he was going to be assassinated before mm. he could ever serve. So I guess I, I'm going to live with that anxiety and we'll hope for the... Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I just figured there's going to be bulletproof plexiglass. I don't think they'll allow his body to be exposed to any vantage point where something could happen. Well, I really didn't understand and still don't understand why they don't just do it all virtually like the DNC, because that ended up being fantastic. And that was three days. And this is one hour. They right. They do a bang up job on right. it. But I heard Kamala Harris talking about the fact that they just did not want to be defeated, basically, before they began. Right. Right. And right. I understand that. I just, it terrifies me. Yeah. On that happy thought. <laughs> <laughs> on to impeachment. Oh, I was wondering, I'm sorry. I just have to stay on that topic for one more sure. second. There is a really, really good episode of PBS NewsHour from Saturday, January 16th. Okay. And they devoted that almost the entire episode to a deeper dive into what's happening on a societal level that manifested as that insurrection at the Capitol. Oh. And, you know, about this, the long simmering and unconfronted issues that are in the country, you know, mostly around race and economic status. And it's really good to watch it because it calmed me down, even though it 
talked about conditions in our country that are unsettled and that need to be addressed and that are causing us trouble. Mm -hmm. Somehow taking that larger view, stepping back and looking at the larger forces that are at work, it makes it feel less random. It doesn't feel like just some crazy people are being crazy. There's historical reasons for why this is happening. And the the people that um, Judy Woodruff interviews, they're not hopeless. They they say they're hopeful, but they have actions that they're recommending that we take to start to address some of this stuff. What people was she interviewing? What were their She was interviewing scholars and historians and reporters, people that focus and are experts on social issues, social movements, history of the United States, journalists who were there in the Capitol, you know, watching what was going on. Anyway, it's worth checking out. It's January 16th. That's interesting. One point I do recall they made was that one of the ways we've been able to compartmentalize the race issue in the U.S. is we've had this, we in the white group have had this concept that all the racism was in the South and that it was kind Mm -hmm. of like a Southern Mm -hmm. problem. Mm -hmm. And the the people they were talking to was saying that was an illusion, that the toxicity of our unfaced, unconfronted, undealt with stuff around race and brutality on that score is pervasive and it's everywhere and it's it's not a southern problem it's really a u.s problem but that was like one example they gave that kind of helped you go wow there are real problems they really exist people know about them and they're even offering suggestions of solutions that we can follow so oh i should watch that i will i will make a note to watch that and i think with a biden presidency i think the chances are as good as they'll ever get that we might have what obama used to call a teachable moment where we get to maybe move forward in some way One can only hope that Mm -hmm. that is a possibility, because Mm -hmm. if not, then I fear for the future of our democracy, as I have said over and over again. Yeah. You know, like a year ago, even a statement like that would have sounded very extreme, but now it doesn't sound extreme at all. Yeah. Anyway, on to impeachment. (laughs) <laughs> oh, a more, a more uplifting, <laughs> more uplifting, more uplifting topic. Well, I just feel like we should touch on it because sure. things will either have moved along or they won't have by mm-hmm. the time we post this. Right. And I heard a long interview with Peter. I, I believe his name is pronounced Muir. And he had an interview with the Daily, uh, the New York Times Daily, the podcast. He's Republican. And mm-hmm. he just said, I'm buying body armor. He said, I kept thinking to myself, I could just bury this. I could just go along with the crowd and say that that was the right thing to do with the moment. And maybe we need to heal. But he said, I I, I couldn't. I just couldn't let that happen. I couldn't live with myself Mm. if I didn't vote my conscience. And he was very impressive. I have to say the most impressive Republican I've heard low these many, many decades. Yeah. Yeah. There are individuals who haven't lost their compass and and are inspiring when you hear them speak. There were a few of them who, when they were doing the the little back and forth uh, speeches on the House floor about the impeachment motion, and most of them were just predictable. Even the ones that I agreed with were just predictable, kind of nothing new here. Every so often, someone would get up with an original voice who seemed like an actual individual with a conscience. Yes. I think we have a chance of actual conviction. I do think we have a chance. It's not mm-hmm. a big chance, but I think with McConnell, the guys on Pod Save America said if McConnell is willing to vote to impeach or... yeah least leave it to the conscience of the other members Mm -hmm. of the Senate, Mm -hmm. then there's a chance. Well, we'll see. I I read today that there are 17 who could, 17 Republicans who've been tagged, who 
could. There are five who could vote to convict regardless of what McConnell does. And then there's another 12 who are kind of middle grounders. And if McConnell gives them cover by supporting it, they could go. But they don't think even with McConnell's support, it would go above. It's exactly the number they need. It is. And the fact is, they will either, I guess they're incumbents, so they'll have to be nominated again, but they will probably be primaried. If they vote for impeachment, it will be the end of their careers. Mm. I I think Liz Cheney is not going to be reelected in Wyoming. I just think that that's the way it's going to go, that there will be a lot of bodies left along the way if they vote. Maybe. I'm sure she has done the math. (laughs) I'm sure she has made her calculation and her gamble and is gambling that it won't end her career. I hate to talk about her with any sense of compassion because I find her so reprehensible. (laughs) I know. She's so awful. (laughs) But what I heard today about Mitch McConnell that I meant to bring up at the top of the conversation is that the reason he's doing this is because of the money, because mm-hmm. the big corporations yeah, are not they funding. all pulled back. Yeah. They all pulled back. He has no spine uh, in terms of moral issues. He's no, he's no. I kept wondering why would he do this? Power. Yeah. Yes, but he must believe, and I don't even believe this, that getting Trump out of the Republican Party is somehow going to make them stronger. I don't know what it's going to do. Mm-hmm. I think it'll just split the party. I believe that there could be a Trump independent faction right. running in 2024. Right. Uh, either with him at the top of the ticket or somewhat Don Jr. or Ivanka yeah, or somebody. Definitely a mega party for sure. Yeah. And I guess McConnell is hoping that the people who stay are the people who are not crazy. And I imagine that the people who voted against certifying Joe Mm -hmm, Biden mm -hmm. will move in that direction. They'll move to an independent MAGA party. Right. It's so interesting to think about Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley in a different party. Yeah. It may work to our advantage. Yeah, it could. It really could. We could be Trump's doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. Yeah, exactly. And we look so sane and cohesive compared to the Republicans now. Yeah. The thing that was always said about Democrats was that it's like herding cats. Yes. And that, let's see, Democrats want to fall in love with a candidate and Republicans just fall in line. Yeah. And that's what they did with Trump. They fell in line right. to their detriment. Some of the things I've heard say that we really dodged a bullet as a country, though, by his not getting reelected. And oh, one of the historians I heard speaking said, it's very rare once a demagogue takes power, it's yes. very rare for them to lose it. Yes, in a second election, in whatever country or whatever culture it happens, that the pattern usually is there's this shock of the person stepping in and stepping up and and gaining power. And everyone's like, how did he do that? And then they stay, you know, yes, we should with all this danger that we're facing and we shouldn't minimize it, of course, but we should pat ourselves on the back that we put an end to it. And we'll see what the the story holds. I don't know how much we should pat ourselves on the back, honestly, because I think it was a coronavirus that opened that possibility up. I think it was the coronavirus that showed him to have feet of clay. That's a good point. Also, because of the coronavirus, more people voted than would have voted. And so... In a way, the coronavirus did us a favor in that with all the mail-in and absentee voting, the number of people voting increased. And Mm -hmm. we got to see that when voting becomes more widespread, people people tend to do a little more rational voting as a whole. No, I am having PTSD. Watching Joe Biden operate and get this $1.9 trillion package together with an actual plan and thoughts in place about how we would enlist the National Guard and how we would get people to get vaccinations 
happens when right. things are not going well in the states. Yeah. I think back to the everyday shocks of having Trump in office. And mm -hmm. every single day, there was something more horrible than the day before. Yes, and true. I think that he finally wore people out is one of the other factors. Mm -hmm. is that people just did not want that kind of agita in their lives. Yeah. Not as many as I thought, but enough. Exactly. Mm -hmm. What I understand intellectually, but I'll never get it in my gut, is that the more outrageous he got, the more his supporters really liked. They didn't like yes. him in spite of that. They liked him because, because of it. Because of it. Because yeah. of it. I know. Because they're so filled with hate. And he embodied that. And mm -hmm. he viewed it. Yeah. And that was what appealed to them. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. Well, we've now given our moments that were necessary to the world of Trump. And yeah. it's time to move on. I sent you that text, but I wasn't sure if you actually had been keeping track of Hilaria Baldwin and that no, whole story. I'm clueless. Okay. It may not be worth spending too much time on it if you're not aware, but she is married to Alec Baldwin. Oh, okay. He's 37 years old. He's 62. Okay. They have five children under the age of seven. The youngest one is a newborn. Wow. She's an influencer, a quote unquote influencer. Okay. And she's a lifestyle guru and a yoga teacher. And, you know, she gave birth three months prior and then took a photograph of herself holding her three-month-old baby with a perfectly flat stomach. Right. And yes. So someone posted something, I think it was on Twitter, having to do with the fact that she really wasn't Spanish, as she uh. has indicated that she was. Mm -hmm. So... It turns out that this woman whose actual name is Hillary, not right. Hilaria or not Hilaria, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> that she was born in Boston to white parents okay. and has put on an accent. At times it's heavy, at times it's not. Yeah. Had an entire Spanish theme at her wedding. Oh my uh, God. Wore a mantilla and carried a fan. Right. And right. Did the vows in Spanish and English. Yeah. Has no Spanish heritage mm -hmm. at all, other than a feeling of, you know, the way you feel about France, she feels about Spain. Right. She's but, a Spanophile. Spanophile, right. but was completely uncovered, and this became a cause celeb. Is that appropriate? Okay. On all social platforms, and I just thought Alec Baldwin must have been blindsided by this. I just yeah. want to believe that he didn't know because he said his wife was Spanish. Oh, he probably didn't. It reminds me of, they, they did a documentary on this woman. I forget her name, but there was this white woman who posed as black. Rachel yeah, Zolazol. And she ran the NAACP in some, well, some city. I know. I think she has a mental illness. I really well, do. But I, mean, I think Hilarious probably does too. You yeah, maybe just, so. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, maybe so. But I mean, she wasn't changing her rate. Well, I don't know. I mean, I just heard someone who was Latinx refer to Latinxness as being a race. So I guess you could say she was changing her race. Oh, yeah. It's if she's ethnicity. white and she wants yeah. to be Spanish. Weird. Weird. Uh, I, don't know. I find it kind of funny. What I love about it is just that sometimes celebrities just seem so above human. You know, they seem like they've yeah. transcended human, the human condition and they're, they're a separate species all to themselves. And it is just kind of refreshing to see that quirks and worse, that we're all pretty fallible. Well, yeah. And that imperfect. I, this is the way I felt when I found out that Robert Redford was taking Prozac. Oh, <laughs> 
long ago when Prozac first came out, I thought, what what hope is there for the, us mere mortals if Robert Redford has to yeah. take Prozac? Yeah. In I think it's Us magazine. They have a section of there's Kirsten Dunst going out to get her Starbucks. Celebrities, they're just like us. And that's what this makes me. Celebrities, they're just like us, except they're not. I want to see CNN rehabilitate Kathy Griffin. I'm shocked that they didn't have her on. They did have Anderson Cooper, I guess, doing a Anderson New Year's Cooper, special, yes. even though there was no New Year's celebration in Times Square. Yes. But I guess they went through the motions of it. But well, that's it my new cause that I'm going to fight for. Yeah. Kathy well, you Griffin. should, because yeah. it was impossible that she was. That was crazy. Her career collapsed yeah. based on one photograph. Yeah. Her special, by the way, I don't remember if it's on Netflix or Amazon, but it shows her touring. It shows her picking up her career again and it's brilliant and she's so funny oh it's good just great. now i promised you that i would do something that i actually didn't do uh -oh. which was to watch the sedition version of randy rainbow's um, oh sedition sedition <laughs> sedition sedition oh it's so great all his videos are great but sedition is so complicated it's got so many layers of different oh, really? voices coming in. And it's such an homage to the actual tradition song and the way it was arranged. And that song from Fiddler has yes. four parts in it, plus the main melody. Oh, so I'm it, not so it is complicated because in the original, you have the sons and they sing their little bit, then the, the mamas, the papas, and the daughters, and then it all comes together and it's just exhilarating. And he recreated it, but with new topics. So instead of tradition, it's sedition. And instead of the daughters, like the liars or something. And well, it's just a work of art. So I, 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 on, I on promise YouTube. I will do it. What's so remarkable about him is that he can do things. It's seemingly on the spur of the moment. Yeah, I mean, he's got the video editing thing down. I'm sure he's got all these little templates already on his computers, but still there's some amount of artistry going into some. Well, he has to change the lyrics. And oh, he's yeah, really he has to write it. Very good about that. And he's, he's such a good singer. Yeah. So he's a national treasure, even though he he's really not ours. Is. He's Canadian. He's a, oh, well, that's okay. We have a lot of those. They live amongst us. They do. They adopt us. <laughs> it's true. They're like pod people. We don't even know who they are. <laughs> Jim Carrey. Do you know oh what I mean? Oh, my God. Alex Trebek. Alex Trebek. There you go. Who would remember that he was Canadian? Yeah. Anyway, I did want to mention a film that I saw. In fact, I just watched the end of it because I was interrupted last night in the middle of it. It's mm. called One Night in Miami. Oh, yeah. I've been reading great things about it. It's really worth watching. I had all kinds of reasons that I didn't want to watch it. Apparently, this really happened. Muhammad Ali, when he was still Cassius Clay, mm -hmm. won the Sonny Liston fight. Right. And Sam Cooke, Malcolm X, and Jim Brown were all there. Mm -hmm. And now this is based on a play. So I don't know if they were all there and they all actually met at some point or whether all of that is fictitious, but certainly all of the internal dialogue is made up. It's just mm -hmm. all pure speculation. Right. And for that reason alone, I was sort of like, oh, I should watch it, but do I want to watch it? I really don't. I'd rather watch the Great British Baking Show, mm -hmm. but I watched it. And I'm really glad that I did. It is heavy on dialogue, but Regina King, who is the director, 
she won an Academy Award for If Beale Street Could Talk, she played the mother. Okay. So she won the Academy Award for Best Supporting Actress for that. And I think she won Best Actress for Watchmen, the no. series that's on HBO. Mm -hmm. So these people meet and it's not just confined to one room. They fight, they split up, they go to their different cars and rooms. And the driving force of it is Malcolm X wants all of the brothers to understand that if they're not on the side of essentially the overthrow of the government in order to create both a black and a white society within America, uh -huh. then they weren't on the side of the cause. If they weren't actively on the side of the cause, they weren't part of the solution. They were part of the problem. The dialogue is great. And all the actors, I wanted to name them because a number of them are unknown. And I just had to look them up because they were so good. Kingsley Ben-Adir plays Malcolm X. He's excellent. Huh. Eli Gorey plays Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali. And he's, all of them are brilliant actors. Aldous Hodge plays Jim Brown. And Leslie Odom Jr. plays Sam Cooke. Oh. And he does Sam Cooke proud. He's wow. really, really good. And you wow. know, it's hard to separate him from Hamilton. Oh. The first couple of minutes, it's sort of like, oh, you're, but you're Aaron Burr. And I mean, he's got the vocal chops. I mean, without imitating yeah. him, mm -hmm. he, he embodies him. Right. And That's great. Really, really good. So I got interrupted last night and I thought, am I going to watch the rest of this? Am I going to watch four men in a room talking to each other? And I'm glad that I watched the last half because mm -hmm. it's not that. It's much more interesting and it's much more nuanced than that mm -hmm. and really worth the ride. Cool. The direction is outstanding too. Nice. So that's my little tag for One yeah, Night in Miami. I'm going to watch it for sure. I think you'll like it. And I don't. I think there was anything left on that list. I think we've covered everything. Cool. Well, yeah. it's time to say goodbye to our boomer friends. Bye-bye, boomers. And by the time you hear this, we'll have a new president. Yay. Oh, God. Yeah, I hope we have a peaceful And vice week. president. Yeah. And new cabinet. Oh, God, yes. We'll get all that approved. So yeah. there is reason for optimism and uh, no Twitter. And no Twitter. So oh. Thank you, Boomers, for following up with us. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Stay safe. See you next time.